Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1. In my devotional reading, I'm just finishing up the book of Acts, and, and uh, we know from the book of Romans that, that Paul had always intended to go to Rome. We know from the book of Acts, he always intended to go to Rome, but he intended to go there to preach the gospel. And as you read through the book of Acts, you find out he went there not the way he intended. He went there as a prisoner. And uh, he was there for two years in a rented house. We know for sure he was in Rome one time. Tradition says he was released from prison and that he went on to Spain where he had hoped to go and then eventually was imprisoned again and, and executed uh, there in, in Rome. That's what tradition tells us and that's probably right. Second Timothy being the last letter that he wrote. He wrote it from prison saying my time is at end at, at hand. I've Fought the good fight. Well, this is Paul writing to the Roman church saying, I'm coming and I want to be helped by you. I want to fellowship with you and preach among you. And then I want you to help me to get to Spain. And so he laid out his gospel, the message that he would preached for 20 years. And we talked last week about the theme of the book of Romans. Anybody remember what that is? Yeah, well, we rem you'll remember as soon as I say it. The righteousness of God. Remember the righteousness of God. In fact, Paul uses the word righteousness over 50 times just in the book of Romans talking about God or Jesus. He uses it talking about us as well, but 50 times just talking about God or Jesus. This morning, uh, we'll see several reasons why Paul preached the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the Gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And he's not ashamed of the Gospel. There was a lady that was delivering a lecture against Christianity. And she said she believed that the Gospel of Christ is a myth. Now there was a man there and he said, may I speak? So he was given permission. He said 30 years ago, I was accursed to this town and none of you good people wanted to be around me. I tried to do better, but I just couldn't. Apparently he had a drinking problem because he said the teetotalers got a hold of him and they tried to help him. Didn't do any good. Then the police got hold of him and he was taken before the judge and put in prison and taken before the wardens, but even they tried in vain to help him. Then he said, then Christ took hold of my life. And He touched my heart and He made me a new man. And, and now I'm respected as I go out among people that share the Gospel. And, and I'm involved in, in sharing Jesus and involved in Sunday school work. And so he said, and I ask, if Christ is a myth, how is it that this myth is stronger than all the others put together? The woman had no answer. And he said, no miss, say what you will. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And he was living proof of the power of the Gospel. Stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read the text we're going to read. Most of it's what we read last week and we're going to add just a little bit more. Romans chapter 1, begin with the first verse. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which He promised beforehand 
through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through Him, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the Gentiles, including you all who are also called by Jesus Christ. And skip down with me to verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank You, Father, for the message of salvation we read in Your Word. Father, speak to us today from Your Word. And may we respond to You as the Spirit of God speaks in us, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Why do we need the Gospel? Well, go back to Genesis. You're going to see, read throughout the, the Scripture the Gospel. But let's go back to Genesis about our need. The Bible says that God created man. You remember He went and got some, some clay and He formed it and breathed into it the breath of life. And, and there, was Mo, there was Adam. Adam was the first man and then later He created... He put him to sleep and did a surgery, took out a rib and fashioned a woman out of that. And every day, God fellowshiped with Adam and Eve as He walked with them in the cool of the evening. Until one day, Adam sinned by taking the fruit that God said not to and eating from it. And he broke that fellowship with God. Remember, God showed up in the cool of the evening. God knows what's going on. But he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I'm hiding because I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? God said. Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to? Of course, Adam threw his wife under the bus and said, it's her fault. She made me do it. But you know through Scripture it was Adam's fault. Because Eve was deceived. Adam deliberately said, hmm, let me try it, it looks good. Knowing what God said. And so that fellowship with God was broken. And in His love, God cast man out of the garden. Why do I say it's His love? Because if Adam would have stayed in the garden, he would have lived eternally because he could have eaten of the tree of, of life. And he could have lived eternally in his sin separated from God. So in his mercy, he cast him out. And throughout the Old Testament, we read that God is making provision to send someone who would be our Redeemer who would set us free from our sin. And that's Jesus. And the message about the sin of the Son is called the Gospel. The word Gospel is the translation of a Greek word, euangelion. We get the word evangelism from it. It means good news. God's plan for our hope of eternal life is found in the Gospel. And Jesus is our only hope for eternal life and fellowship with God. He's the only way. There is no other. 
theologian and, and author John Phillips wrote, um, he, he spoke of the abundant, excuse me, let me start again. Theologian and author John Phillips spoke of abandoning hope in anything else for life. He said, man must effectively burn all his bridges to follow Christ. Well, that's what Cortez did when he came to the New World. They went out and they set their their bridges, their their boats on fire, and they had to go forward. And that's what John Phillips said. We've got to stop trusting in the world, stop trusting in anything, and only trust in Jesus. There can be no other claim upon our life. Only Jesus. One of my favorite groups is Casting Crowns. Uh, their lead singer. Uh, Mark Hall and Matthew West, another contemporary artist, wrote a song called Only Jesus. And, and it ought to be our theme song. It says, all the kingdoms built, all the trophies won will crumble into dust when it's said and done because all that really mattered, did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there's only one whose name will last forever? The chorus says that I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. And I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to Him. Only Jesus. And as Paul writes the message of, of salvation, as he writes the Gospel, as he talks about what he preaches, he, he did that because he was committed to only Jesus. Paul's commitment is, is echoed in that old hymn, The Solid Rock. You know the words of that one. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. No, all other ground is sinking sand. Nothing should compromise our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. His story is the Gospel because in Him there is salvation and in no other name can we have eternal life. Well, last week we saw that men change, uh, that, that the Gospel changed men's lives. We saw how Paul's life was changed and how it points to the fact that we can be changed. Well, the Scriptures talk about Paul's life before at conversion and after his conversion. Before his conversion, Paul said he was set apart for the gospel. Galatians 1.15, God's, uh, Paul wrote, God had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through His grace. God has a plan for each of your lives. Before you were a glimmer or a gleam in your mother's eye, God knew you. And He had a plan for you. In Jeremiah, God says that His plans for us to prosper, to give us hope and a future. So from eternity past, God has had a plan for your life. And then at His conversion, uh, others were told of God's plan for Paul. Acts 9.15, Paul's relating his testimony. And, and the Scripture says when Paul was blinded and praying for three days, the Lord spoke to Ananias about Paul and said, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to take bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. When we are saved, God wants to put into to, to practice that plan He has for our lives. God saved you to love you to fellowship with you, and to use you for His glory. 
You see, God didn't save us to sit and stew. He saved us to use us. And then after his conversion, the Holy Spirit made clear to Paul God's plan for him. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, Paul's in Antioch with Barnabas and, and leading the church there and helping to teach the church. And, and the Scripture says that Antioch, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. You see, God has a plan for your life, and sometime in your life God's going to say, this is my specific plan for you. Several years ago, and I don't remember the year right now, if I'd stop and figure it out, I can tell you, I think it was 1982. I was leading music at a revival. And I had a rev revival choir then. We had revival choirs during that time, and and so I was leading music in the revival, and my wife was singing the revival choir, and she was about this far away from me during the invitation. And all week long, the evangelist and Sandy and I had stayed in the home of the pastor and his wife, and we talked all week long about missions. And he said, God's the, the evangelist said, God is leading me to preach on missions on Thursday night. Prepare the music for a mission service. And so we prepared the music and during the invitation, I don't remember the invitation to him because I was under so much conviction. And God said, Keith, I'm setting you and Sammy apart to go as missionaries. God has a call on your life and He'll reveal it specifically what He wants. He may not send you out to be a missionary someplace else. He may send you as a missionary to your family. He may say to you, I want you to raise up a godly family and I want you to, to spend your life investing in them. That doesn't mean that you're, you're, you've given up the responsibility of sharing the gospel to those around you, but God has a specific call upon your life. And that's what the Scripture said to Paul. God has a plan for us. Paul says, I've been separated to share the gospel and our lives should be God's should be set apart to sharing the gospel with other people. Now I want us to see several things today about the gospel. About, about uh, what the gospel is and, and, and what it means. So the first thing, it's the gospel of God. It's the good news of God. Now, remember going back to Genesis, we talked about the fact that Adam rebelled against God and he was separated from God. And in Adam... All mankind sinned. That means you and I, all of us, sinned in Adam. And we all inherited his sin nature. That means nobody had to teach us how to sin. Those precious little babies when you bring them home, cute as they are, they think only about themselves. And it just gets worse the more they... I mean, think about it. Well, they do. They get hungry. They cry. They're dirty. They cry. They're lonely. They cry. You're sleeping real good at night. They cry. And then, oftentimes, after they get that mama and baba out, their favorite word becomes no or mine. You see, we all have that sin nature. We all got it from Adam. And we need a Savior. And the Gospel is the good news that, that 
to all who need a Savior. And despite the fact that we've trampled on God's love, God loves us. And He just loves us no matter what. I love Romans 5, 8. I learned to share the gospel using the Roman road. Some people use other things. I use the Roman road. But I remember Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. I always thought it was funny that it doesn't say, but God demonstrated His love. But if you look in your translation, it's, it's present tense. That's because in the Greek, it's present tense. And that word means God demonstrates over and over and over His love for us. Because God's love never ends. God loves us. Our salvation is God's initiative. It's His work totally. We, we didn't have any part in salvation. God sent His Son to die for us on the cross. His plan from eternity past was to send Jesus. He knew when He created Adam that Adam would sin. He knew when He created Adam and placed him in that garden that he would want to have to send his son. The work of salvation is all God's. He chose us for salvation. He sent His Spirit to convict us of our need for a Savior. He's the one that washes us clean and gives us a new nature and, and, and makes us a new creation because salvation is totally God's work. That's why it's God's gospel. What's our part? Receiving what God has done. Surrendering, submitting to Him and saying, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll serve you. The Gospel's good news. It's the message that God loves you and decide, desires to restore that broken relationship with you because we have no worth in ourselves. I mean, I was told in chemistry class when I was in junior high that, that if you took all the chemicals in our body, it would be worth less than a dollar's worth of chemicals. God loves you dearly. And that's our worth is the fact that God's created us. Our righteousness is His righteousness. We're made holy by the work of God. The gospel is God's gospel. pastor was retiring after many years of ministry and he was preaching his last sermon. And afterwards, a little lady that had been in the church during his whole ministry came up to him and said, um, do you know the most important thing you've said to us in all these years? He said, no, tell me. Because he wanted to learn how, how, how God had, had helped someone. She said, you told us we cannot do anything to get God to stop loving us. The gospel is good news because God won't stop loving us. Well, secondly, not only is the gospel God's gospel, but Paul says the gospel is the message that I preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you also stand, by which you are also saved. Now Paul talked about the fact that the gospel is supreme or the supremacy of the gospel. Now Paul was an educated man. As he studied Hebrew, he sat under Gamaliel, who was one of the most renowned Jewish teachers of his day. And Paul said, I was growing in Judaism. He said unto Gamaliel. He also knew the teachings of the Greeks and the Romans because he was raised back in Tarsus of Cilicia. 
a Roman city, so he'd studied the philosophers. He knew the teachings of, of many of the religions of his day, so he could say with conviction that I know that the gospel is the right message because there's nothing else that's superior to the gospel. But Paul also had confidence in the gospel because it was sufficient for salvation. In fact, in fact Paul said the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Peter also preached of, of the gospel sufficiency. He said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And let me ask you a difference between a way and the way. Husbands, go home and tell your wife someday, Honey, you're a woman I love. Pretty nebulous, right? But it's pretty certain when you say, Honey, you are the woman I love. Jesus is the only way and He's sufficient for salvation. And lastly, um, Paul's confidence was in the Gospel because of its simplicity. Paul said it's the power of God for all to be saved. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We talk about faith and we talk about belief. Well, they're, they're both translations of one word in Greek. Um, it's the word pistis, and it means either faith or belief. It means to, to believe something enough to act upon it, to live by it. If you were to say, well, I trust the bank, but I keep you keep your money under the mattress, what's that say about your belief in banks? Paul said to the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The gospel is the message that Paul preached. Thirdly, uh, the gospel is the message of Christ's death on the cross and His resurrection. Now going back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul said, the message I preached you, the, the gospel, and he said, this is what the gospel is. It's very simple. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose the third day and many people saw Him. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again and people saw Him. In fact, some Bible scholars say there's more evidence that people saw the risen Christ than there is evidence that Julius Caesar lived. The Gospel, that's the message. Christ died. John the Baptist said about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter said that Jesus bore our sins on the cross so that we, he, that we might die to sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, According to the law, one may all almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. Someone said, why did, he, did they bury Him in a borrowed tomb? Because He only needed it for three days. 
He was buried. He was dead. How do we know he was dead? The soldier took his, his spear and stuck it in his side and outflowed blood and water. And scientists say, or, or doctors say, that it's because the blood is already separated into serum and, and the other parts. And you'll have to talk a doctor or nurse to find out what those other parts are. But it already separated. He was dead. He didn't just get put in a tomb and revive and roll the stone away on his own and walk away. He was dead. He was buried. And the third part of the Gospel, He rose again and people saw Him. Jesus, uh, Paul said that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. That word power is a word we get from dynamite from and is dunamis. And Paul said that's the message of the Gospel. Now then Paul says here in Romans 1, I thought this was interesting. He talks about the Gospel. He's set apart for it. It's the message that, that the, the prophets preached in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He was a descendant of David according to the flesh. So what Paul is saying is this one that the Gospel is about was both both God and man. He was the Son of God and yet He was a descendant of David. That speaks about the two natures of Jesus. He was both God and man. Fully God. He wasn't half God and half man. He was fully God and fully man. He was eternal God, born of a virgin, lived 33 years on this life, and He died a sacrificial death on the cross as a man. And as God, He rose from the dead. The message of the Gospel says that God left the glory of heaven to be born of a virgin. We've talked about why it needed to be a virgin, but born of a virgin. He emptied Himself of His glory, Paul says in Philippians. And He was born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life without sin, and as a sinless sacrifice, He died. Fully God and fully man. That's the Gospel message that Paul preached. And then Paul says that's the, the, the gospel is the power of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And, and in Paul's day, there were two classifications of people, Jews and not Jews. Sometimes he called the not Jews barbarians, sometimes he called them Greeks, he called them different things, but there were Jews and non Jews. And so when Paul says it's, it's, it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, that's everybody. That word salvation is an interesting word. You know I, I love words. It's a Latin word. We get the word health from it. Originally it meant health of the body, but it came to mean health of the soul and the spirit. So salvation means anything that leads to, to spiritual health. And it begins with a relationship to God. So to be saved, God convicts us of our need for a Savior. He helps us to understand that we have a need. Because without Christ, we are all spiritually sick. Sin sick. Paul says in Romans, all have sinned. And that word all, another word we want to look at, it doesn't mean just bad people. Doesn't just mean non-Jews. Doesn't just mean those people you don't like. It's the word pan, and that means all. All have sinned. And later he says, 
What we all deserve is death, separation from God, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve. But the power of the Gospel saved us and gives us new life. And then the last thing Paul says in our text is the Gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Remember, the theme of Romans is righteousness. And Paul tells us that in the righteousness of God is revealed, the God, excuse me, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. In verse 17, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But the righteous shall live by faith, how he ends it up. We're made righteous when we live, when we're saved. I, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I've quoted it many times. It says, He made Him who? God made Jesus who knew no sin. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, He took him on Himself the sins of the world. And the Scriptures say, at noontime, the sky is darkened until three in the afternoon. Why? Because Jesus was separated from God because He bore the sins of the world. He took the curse for our sin. And for the only time in eternity, the Son was separated from the Father as He paid for our sins. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We got His righteousness. Isaiah says it this way, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. But the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And by faith, we receive eternal life. We're made righteous when we're saved. Righteousness means conformity to God's claims upon man's life. When we're made righteous, we're, we're made what God wants us to be. And we're made more and more righteous each day as we surrender our life to Christ. I remember a Gaither song from a long time ago. Glory Gaither sang says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I ought to be. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not what I gotta be. That's what I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I'm gonna be, but thank God I'm not what I was. And that's what God's doing. He's making you more and more righteous every day. The gospel is righteousness. In Paul, in Romans 12, Paul says, Don't be conformed to the world. Don't fit the pattern of the world because God's working to make you like Jesus. Righteousness is what God gives. It's from faith to faith. We receive the righteousness of God by faith. And we live the righteousness of God by faith. And that's how Paul ends up but quoting from, from uh, Habakkuk. 
the righteous or the just, depending upon your translation, shall live by faith. It's the standard God has for us. So that's the gospel. The gospel's God's gospel. It's the message that Paul preached. It's the message of, of salvation. It's, it's the power of God. And in the gospels revealed the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. It's the message of our hope. It's the message that, that we need to share with the lost world. So if, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's why the gospel is good news. Because it's a promise of God that you can have eternal life. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with a heart man confesses unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation, Paul says. It's also the message we need to share. You say, Pastor Keith, I can't remember all that. It's simple. The Gospel, Christ died for our sins. He was, he was buried. And He rose again the third day and lots of people saw Him. That's the Gospel. And then your testimony, I believe that. And He changed my life. And He can do the same for you. You can share the Gospel. And we need to do that. We need to share God's message. Because there's a lot of people out there that are lost. There's a lot of people out there without hope. There's a lot of people out there that have an eternity in which they'll be separated from God forever unless they receive Jesus. And sometimes they need a friend to tell them about Jesus. I'm not saying for go up on the street and to see every, every person you see is lost to say, hey, can I tell you about my Jesus? If God leads you to do that, do that. But God places people in your life that you can share the Gospel with. When our grandsons were born, we started praying for them. And I've got to lead all three of them to Christ. What a blessing. When our kids were born, we started praying for them. And I got to lead two of my three kids to Christ. The other time I didn't get to because I was translating for a preacher who was speaking in English, and I was translating to Portuguese, and my daughter walked the aisle. So I missed out on her. But I got one more grandkid that we're saved, that we're praying for that should be saved. You have people in your life that know Jesus, people you love, that need to know Jesus that you love. And you need to be praying for them that God will open the door for you to share the message of salvation that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. He changed my life and He can change yours. So let's thank God for the Gospel. Let's thank God for the message Paul preached. Let's thank God that it's a message of salvation. Let's thank God that it's a power of God for salvation and some, the righteousness of God is revealed in the Gospel. The righteousness that you have in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the message of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that there was a time when you spoke in our hearts and we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, if there's someone here or someone listening on, on social media later or even now that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would surrender their life to Christ. That they
they would admit their need for a Savior because they're a sinner. And that they would receive Jesus today. Father, we praise you in the precious